Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about user experience and ACO, how we can unite all. I remember many years ago, I didn't consider UX because Google didn't consider UX as well, but that was wrong. Today I changed my approach and yeah, of course, Google forced us to do it time to time. And uh, today it's important. It doesn't matter what kind of marketing channel do you use. You need to consider customers, leaders, users, open your website. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Peter Maceras. How are you? Hello, Anatoly. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Looking forward to learn more from you. I know you so kind to share value. You did it twice on my podcast. I found your course on Udemy, so that's great. And uh, you uh, created a course about chat GPT and mm -hmm. SEO. So you didn't wait a few years that I usually do <laughs> to, <laughs> to share something new. Yeah, you do it after launching chat GPT because yeah, it's better to consider trends. Uh, Peter, before we start, remind about yourself, about your business and uh, for new listeners who didn't listen to uh, first episodes. So anything about your business. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here for the second time and I hope we're uh, going to share some knowledge. So about me, I'm a, a marketing consultant at this way at SEOS.SI, um, doing everything myself, being an uh, CMO for hire for companies that would like to increase their marketing for companies where they don't really have a big marketing team, but they need someone to steer it in the right direction. This is when they call me and I help them with all of the different channels. But of course, my main background has always been SEO because you know, somehow I believe that SEO is a channel that every website, every web store, every, you know, B2B uh, company, it delivers the best, best results and it delivers the greatest value. So this is why I always push uh, my clients to go into SEO next to other channels, of course. Yeah, I remember a few studies that uh, SEO brings more traffic than all other channels. Uh, um, if I remember correctly the number like 56 percent of all traffic are coming from uh, mm -hmm. organic reach from uh, in most cases google uh, and other channels like social media referrals don't bring the same traffic um, and yeah i think it's a big mistake uh, to avoid this channel to ignore this channel <laughs> uh, uh, because yeah because of this traffic but you know peter i want to ask you about uh something that many webmasters ignore i i found that webmasters chase traffic not uh sales no and uh, for example if you get uh a million people a month but if you can't sell your products hmm. why you need to have this traffic can you tell how to find the right approach i mean like to create the strategy with traffic that will sell in the end uh, that will cover your uh, customer journey buying persona and yeah i uh, will sell your products you know it's not the question of uh, wanting to acquire traffic or sales we probably we have to do all of that together right uh, i always say that the seo targets or seo metrics should be in three different levels so the first level is the uh, most obvious, these are the keywords, right? Ranking for selected keywords is the first metric. The second metric then should be traffic. And the third metric should be 
e-commerce sales or maybe leads if you're doing B2B, right? So what it allows you to, when you look at those three different, all of those three levels, it allows you to do different kind of SEO. As you mentioned, the consumer decision journey, right? At the beginning of the consumer decision journey, you don't really don't want to and you can't bring in uh, conversions. You can't bring in leads. So uh, measuring only e-commerce would push you into some kind of SEO that doesn't cover the whole consumer decision journey and it doesn't help you do the sales later. Right. So if we have all of the three kinds of metrics, it allows us to do, you know, um, block traffic. It allows us to do uh, traffic that um, does research on our website and it allows us to do sales and it allows us to do post sale traffic. So if we have all of those three traffics, all of those visitors are future customers and all of that traffic is going to help us in the future to sell better. This is why. All of three levels of the uh, metrics should be, uh, all of the tar targets should be set. All of the three levels of the metrics should be looked for. And with that, you can really get the best traffic and sales to your website. Yeah, yeah. I usually check out the metric uh, traffic value than <laughs> traffic instead, you know, because traffic value, if, uh, you know, paid marketers uh, are willing to pay money for getting this traffic, that means you can get more uh, results by uh, having this traffic. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and of course, have... maybe, you yeah. know, uh, of course, when we, you know, do strategic SEO, of course, we start usually with traffic that is close to the sale. So the traffic is going to bring money first, and then we slowly move up the consumer decision journey to the beginnings. Of course, it doesn't mean that I'm going to start and the blogs that are never going to sale. But all of these three have to be important for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about user experience. I think uh, uh, many years uh, Google uh, told us that UX doesn't play a big role. Mm. Um, I remember when even Rand Fishkin uh, shared a tweet about uh, when he changed uh, titles, uh, descriptions, uh, and after that he got better positions. When he asked his audience to uh, spend some time on his website and he got better positions, but uh, Gary Ellis and many uh, from Google replied to this. Uh, it's not the case because UX doesn't play. Today, I think it's a different story because UX plays huge role. Even it doesn't matter direct impact or indirect impact, it plays. Uh, huge role. For example, mm. you know, if you are going to build muscles, yeah, uh, direct impact, you need to go to the gym to work hard. But uh, if you don't eat uh, healthy food, it doesn't help. You know, you can't go ahead. Oh, okay, uh, eating healthy food is indirect factor, but 50% of all results depend on eating this healthy food. 30% uh, depends on resting and only 20% of building muscles to work hard. And I think it's the same with SEO. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care about indirect, indirect. Uh, if it impacts the results, then you need to do it. So can you tell about UX? How to increase UX and what kind of uh, problems the masters have? Uh, for example, if I have UX, uh, but... Uh, if the goal like to increase to decrease bounce rate to increase uh, time on site any tips about that so firstly you know i'm more in the camp that says that 
UX is not really as important for SEO or it doesn't uh, impact the SEO directly, right? So, you know, the, the, the dwell time or time on site or the new metric in Google Analytics that, you know, bounce rate doesn't really exist anymore. All of those numbers are probably not, you know, shared. No, 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 with bounce rate get, got back. Google bounce rate is back. back. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Sadly, bounce rate is back. Uh, but of course, engagement rate is a much better metric. Yeah. We're so people are so used to reporting bounce rate that Google gave it back. You're right. Mm -hmm. um, if you have it great on your website, does that really help your SEO? I don't really believe that. You know, and I know that, you know, as you mentioned, there are different camps in SEO. Some have experience in that way. Some have uh, tests in the other way. But that's the, that does not mean that uh, UX is not really important for uh, websites or for traffic that comes from SEO, right? I started as an SEO in my marketing career. But the first thing that I've learned is bringing people to a website that doesn't co convert doesn't really help you. So, you know, UX and analytics was the next thing I had to study. Figuring out what kind of webs, what kind of user experience do we need on our website? Um, it is going to allow us that not only our SEO is going to work better, it's going to allow us that uh, our advertising is going to work better, it's going to allow us that our conversions are going to be better, right? And mm -hmm. I mentioned now SEO is going to work better. One big, one good example is, you know, uh, our category pages on e-commerce shops. I think they are the biggest missed opportunity that every website is missing, right? Um, the traditional category page, it's always just, you know, a title of that category. And then there's a, the, the, uh, a square of the three times three products or three times four products or something like that, right? Maybe if someone is advanced SEO, they're going to put a sentence or two of SEO content and the, on the category page and then believe that this is how it should be done, right? So many lost opportunities here for SEO, so many lost opportunities here for marketing in general. If we go back and start with the basic, with the marketing theory, we go back to the consumer decision journey. The category pages are meant for someone who doesn't really know yet what kind of a product he or she needs, right? It's for someone that comes to, you know, look for TVs, what kind of TVs out there are out there and what kind of TVs um, uh, are on the market. And if let, let's imagine if someone goes to uh, a physical store buying a TV, usually what's going to happen, he's going to come there and there's going to be a salesperson. He's going to go, all right, I need a TV. And the salesperson is not going to go, here are 7,000 TVs, pick one. But mm -hmm. what he's going to do is he's going to say, what are you going to use that TV for? How far from the TV are you going to sit? Are you going to play games, watch news or watch sports? What kind of a TV you have now? Do you want to, you know, ask all of the questions and based on that, he's going to give you an answer. But on the internet, we just allow people to come to the category page where they have a giant list of TVs and the number of TVs on an internet uh, uh, shop is usually even bigger than the one on the on, on a physical store. So how is someone supposed to figure out which of those TVs that are there on the landing pages is going to help them? Of course, we have some, you know, uh, faceted navigation or filters or stuff like that. But in general, we don't try, we don't help people 
to figure out what they need. It's not, we, we are not selling what people want. We want to sell what we want to sell to the people. Let me give you an example. If people go and Google IKEA, IKEA is, you know, one of the most known brands in Europe uh, selling furniture. If we check out their category pages, we, we see exactly what I'm talking about. Their category pages, before we scroll to the uh, net with products, with the three times T products, we're going to see blog posts, we're going to see videos, we're going to see featured products, we're going to see text that tells you this is how you should buy, this is what are the things that you should be buying, right? This is stuff that is unique content, so it helps you with SEO. This is stuff that educates the, your future customer, so it helps you tell them what they should buy. And this is stuff that allows you to feature products that you want to push out, right? And this is good UX. This is UX that is going to allow someone to get the information that they need. And this is the UX that is going to allow someone to uh, purchase the product that they want. So, you know, this is how I come back to UX is really important for SEO because good UX is going to allow you to have content, is going to allow you to have um, to have uh, other information on the web page, and it's going to allow the person to really look for the stuff that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about another element, uh, simplicity. You know, for example, if I open apple.com, I can see so simple website, you know, with a few words in the first screen, like uh, make difference. Uh, and I only see iPhone. Uh, I don't see MacBook, AirPods, Apple Watch. Hmm. Yeah, I have the stuff, but you know, I only see iPhone because uh, this gadget is responsible for 50% uh, of all sales in Apple. But Another uh, web, well-known website, Amazon. Now, if I open Amazon, a lot of items, a lot of products. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, for example, if I open a product page, I can get almost everything. Reviews, descriptions, pictures, video, everything. All elements that I need to push me forward, you know, to tell me, okay, I can uh, go ahead with this product. And I see... When people, uh, companies copy Apple or Amazon uh, can, can't get results because uh, uh, Apple is over simple. It works for a huge, big audience, loyal audience who doesn't need to uh, probably to get all this information that uh, it's important for Amazon because we don't know most products on Amazon. We need to spend time to mm. learn about them. Mm. And uh, But if you create the same page like Amazon, it might confuse. You don't know what to do, what to use. And can you tell about priorities? I mean, like, for example, if we learn customers, we understand their pain points, we know what they're looking for. So can you tell how to cut away something uh, less necessary and leave only necessary information uh, yeah, to increase conversion rate then. Mm. As you mentioned, right, if a customer wants to recreate Apple or recreate Amazon, it's probably best as you as a marketer run away from them, right? Just the <laughs> one uh, similar to the ones that want to, you know, create the new Uber for something. But comparing Apple and uh, Amazon, these are apples and elephants probably, right? 
mm-hmm. the number of products that are shown, the um, known, the, the how much the brand is known, the brand that is producing the products. In Apple, that's 100, right? Everyone knows the brand. In Amazon, it's just a random uh, producer from uh, the Czech Republic or you know, Ghana or whatever selling there, right? This is why Apple doesn't need all of those things that tell you how great the product is and Amazon, you need all of those things. What is the answer for one specific web shop as, I don't know, it depends, right? Um, you have to change, but this is what I'm trying to say, right? You have to change your category page or your product page depending on how many products you have, how well they are known and how well you are known, how much content you have and what kind of content you believe has to be shown so that the people, the, the customers can make a decision, right? Um, all of this information together is going to give you an idea of how you should prepare your landing pages. And that can be homepage, that can be the category page, that can be the product page. Even, you know, the shopping carts have to be different depending on what kind of a web store you are, what kind of delivery you offer and stuff like that, right? The first rule should be the default category page or the default product page is not nearly enough of what web shops should have, right? But from then on, it really depends. And, you know, uh, I have a product where I go and help my clients as an additional um, consultant on their web page development. And at the first meeting, we start talking about how many products do we want to feature? Are there, you know, is there one specific product within the category that you have to show uh, and you have to feature it? All of these questions have to be taken into account before we start creating um, our web shop. And another thing that you mentioned, right? When we talk, when we look at our products, we know that there is a product or two products that bring you most of the uh, of the money. But on the website, on our website, on our category pages that are very usually SEO uh, targets and are very usually um, uh, advertising targets. What we do is we don't really look at which product is going to be shown first, which product is going to be shown second, which product is going to be shown third. We may uh, maybe allow users, you know, to sort by uh, alphabet or sort by price or stuff like that. Or, you know, very often we see it's just randomly sorted or by the date that the product has been added to the web shop. On the other hand, if I go again back to my comparison with a physical shop, if we go to any grocery store, we know that companies are paying to be, you know, put on the specific place, on the specific height within the uh, uh, a grocery store, right? So the, the 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 chips that you buy and is is set in a uh, in a grocery store in your eye height, so that you see it, you know that the company had to pay for that to be there. But on our web shops, we just ignore the, the, the positions of the products on a category page. And, you know, again, the UX should allow us to feature one product, make three other products more obvious, and then have everything else. And a, and, and a classical uh, category page does not do that. It just shows all of the product. And then the user has to do all of the work. And, of course, the user shouldn't do the work. We should tell them what they should be buying. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, 
Let's talk about uh, another aspect that I, you know, I love to uh, check out big brands. Uh, for example, in Apple uh, website, for me, it's hard to find uh, features. Yeah, mm. I can. I can if I spend time to scroll. Yeah, Apple shares buttons where I can check out uh, features. But what I found, uh, Apple usually um, shares high quality pictures uh, and uh, you know it creates the feeling of uh, owning these items for example if i see uh, apple watch yeah uh, or for example uh, airpod and uh, right. you know uh, after watching this uh, i found that most customers don't need these features they don't want to get them uh, and apple knows about that uh, that's why it's uh, you need to spend time to find features for some uh, I don't know, geek customers who need to know everything about that. And I remember the first, uh, uh, how it's called, a, a, not AirPod, uh, before iPhone, uh, how this product iPad. was called. The iPad. Not iPad, before iPad, before iPad. Uh, the iPod. Was iPod, it the iPod? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget because you know, today it's not the case. But well, the names are very was, similar. Yeah, that was revolution. That was revolution with uh, this item. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, the message uh, that Apple used was like uh, thousand songs in your pocket. Thousand songs, not 10 gigabyte uh, mm. memory in your pocket. Thousand songs, you know. And uh, uh, but on Amazon, I don't see this approach. I see features. You know, in the first visible screen, I see features no probably customers on amazon need more these features than uh to get the feeling of owning uh so you know can you tell uh, how to find the right approach i think uh if something works for apple it doesn't mean it works for amazon or for any brands uh, amazon has a billion products apple has i don't know how many products not a lot but amazon has a billion products and uh, amazon created the environment where you can learn everything from one page and it starts from features not uh, the feeling of uh, getting uh, this item you know uh, the feeling that for example when i watch uh, a presentation about new apple watch i got this feeling now mm. oh i wanna own it i wanna decide my problems by having this gadget so uh, can you tell how we all want to own it yeah yeah how e-commerce websites can understand uh, their customers and to show them uh, features or uh, descriptions uh, mm. or pictures anything about that as you said you probably need everything on the web page the question is how obvious it is how high up on the page is it maybe you yeah. hide it behind the tab or stuff like that right how to figure out what is important for your customers well the best way is to listen to your customers there are multiple ways of how you can do that but in general you know there you know you can just ask them you can send a mass email to the people that have purchased something and ask them why did you purchase that what was your what was the most important thing the other thing is you can, and that is a very smart thing to do, is go and look, out, look at your reviews. Gathering reviews and looking at what the people are saying, what is good and what isn't good on your product. If everyone is saying, I really love it, it looks great, maybe that's important how it looks. If someone said, most people talk about, you know, 10 gigabytes of storage, that's probably the thing that you have to talk about. If, you know, 
there are even tools out there where you can massive um, uh, uh, analyze your reviews and mass and get the keywords out there and get um, reports of what are the, um, the the words and the ideas that people are giving in your reviews. The next way, the next thing that you have to listen to are, uh, your, is your customer support. So the emails, the phone calls, the WhatsApp messages, the Facebook messages that you receive. And again, figure out what people ask about. If the, everyone asks how big is this thing in reality, then you know that you should be adding that, right? Analyze all of that data, and that data is going to tell you how obvious some information has to be and what other information you, you have to hide. Maybe one more thing. Companies would very often hide stuff behind the tabs on the websites. And I think that coming from the UX idea, that's not really something that we need right now uh, anymore. Um, looking at Google Analytics, tabs are usually not clicked on, right? So you have like the main description, then you have the tab for the technical details, and then you have the tab for reviews. People don't really like to click on that. On mobile, it's hard to create them. What we are now used to is long, a long page. As you said, Amazon probably made that, right? And of course, social media. So what we do, we just, we just put one after the other and people are going to scroll and find the information that they are looking for. But of course, some of this information, if it's really important, we have to give it higher on the website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, Peter, uh, I want to ask you about ChatGPT. You know, it's hard to ignore this tool today. <laughs> you created a course about this tool uh, to unite with ACO. You created a course on, uh, on Udemy also, right? I just checked it out. It looks really great. Good job. Yeah, yeah. I created the course, but you know, uh, I found that most uh, creators uh, who uh, use this format, they usually uh, have the goal, uh, you know, to earn money with that, you know, like business model. But mm. uh, my course is quite different. You know, I usually send my course uh, for customers who don't understand SEO. For example, if I speak with them and uh, if they ask me, I need. Here, uh, check out my competitors. I want their traffic. I want their sales. And they don't know anything about that. So right. I, I usually tell them, take my course, learn on Google, on YouTube. Uh, because, for example, in my course, you can learn how to create high-quality content, why we need to create high-quality content. You can get great checklists from Lily Ray, uh, advanced uh, technical analysis from uh, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips. Uh, created great lessons for this course and our goal uh, is to uh, explain how SEO mm. works then we can cooperate like a cohesive team to go ahead you know to get a clear vision uh, what we are going to do uh, so yeah we created this course to help uh, customers who reach out to us just to ask please i need traffic <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you know it's hard it's hard to go ahead with that. but anyway uh, my question about chat gpt you know I cooperate with many great writers uh, who write for uh, Search Engine Journal, Forbes, uh, uh, Bloomberg, many great publications, Investopedia, and I found all of them use ChatGPT, all of them, without any exception. Hmm. And uh, that's okay. Uh, I think uh, everyone knows about this tool. 100 million users uh, signed in the first two months but uh, uh, my main question is how to use it smart because you know uh, on chat gpt i can generate uh, the best rewriting content ever rewriting 
not writing, nothing special, nothing new. Yeah, grammar looks great, uh, everything looks great, but it's rewriting. <laughs> so can you tell your way how to use in the correct way? I mean, like uh, to use this tool, uh, and I think everyone knows about this tool and uh, how mm -hmm. to use uh, this tool in the right way. So as you said, right, um, mostly uh, ChatGPT is used, but of course it depends on what kind of a content you want to create. As we've done that in the past, you know, we had cheaper writers, we had better writers and then expensive writers, and then we had ourselves, right? Or, you know, uh, the head of the company or whatever. It, the same, it goes the same for news. Um, when Christiane Amanpour wrote something, she's still not going to write with ChatGPT, right? But she, it, we, we know that that is the best content that exists out there anywhere. But there's a lot of content that can be created with ChatGPT. How do we get that best content? I just, you know, I just worked today with a client that is selling mineral water in Austria, and um, his his homework from the previous consulting was to create. So we, you know, we did the keyword research, we did the topical research, then we did the additional keywords and all of that. We found the URLs, we did all of the SEO prep, and then I was like, okay, create one article, and then let's meet next time and check the article and see how you do. He didn't bring an article. He was like, I, I spent six hours on ChatGPT, but I didn't really get an article that I would be uh, that I would be okay with. And when mm -hmm. we went through the uh, his process, his biggest problem was that he, you know, he thought about the query, and of course, I gave him some ideas about how to you know put put together a great query. And he looked at my Udemy course. He got an article and then it was, no, nah, that's not the best. He opened a new chat and then again, he was looking for the best query to get an article, right? So the problem was that he wasn't working with what we got from ChatGPT and working on that, right? Of course, the first result that you get is more of a skeleton of an article that you're going to use. It has maybe some subheadings, it has some content, but then you have to go paragraph by paragraph, figuring out which of the content is good and how to expand or how to work on that content so that you get it as a great content, right? It, it's We've done the same with, you, you hired a, a writer, he gave you an article and then you went with, you know, comments in Google uh, in, or in Word or whatever. You gave him comments on the article, gave it back, and then he or she rewrote it and gave you back, gave it back to you, right? So we have to work the material of course, we have to bring all of our experience of what is, you know, what is good for marketing, what is good for, uh, what is good for the customers, consumer decision journey, types of content, all of that, bringing that into and then working on that, on, on that uh, article. This is probably the most important thing that people should think of when they're creating ChatGPT content. Mm -hmm. And uh, how to use ChatGPT for e-commerce uh, products, pages, uh, because our main topic e-commerce. <laughs> so right. can you tell the way how to create the right content? Because, you know, if you set up generic prompts like to write description for, I don't know, iPhone, you know, you, you get <laughs> generic answer that probably plus thousand people uh, use it and I found uh, when people set up prompts like how to play guitar, how to lose weight, 
guys, <laughs> you know, I, for me, it's hard to count how many people can use the same uh, prompts. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and I remember when Elon Musk shared on Twitter before he started to criticize ChatGPT, you know, uh, uh, and signed this letter uh, to procrastinate the process. It's interesting mm-hmm. you know how he can change his mind because he signed the letter to procrastinate the process. Then after a few days, he bought expensive equipment uh, for Twitter to develop this technology. <laughs> because, he has his no, own, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think uh, I got the answer to this question, uh, what happened from Jeff Coyle, because he told you can't stop the process. Okay, even if uh, you, someone uh, from government will tell, okay, we need to stop the process, but you can stop the process in the US, but you can't stop in China, in other right. countries. And uh, you can't stop the process in some companies. Uh, they don't care about uh, if someone told them to do it. And Elon Musk got this point because in the future, uh, Jeff Coyle told me, we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI. The second company will implement AI. And the third company will be obsolete. <laughs> no, they, they can leave the trade. <laughs> So, yeah, that's why I think Elon Musk changed the mind. You know, he can do it fast, uh, uh, luckily for, for them. And, uh, yeah, tell about using ChatGPT for e-commerce pages. So, you know, um, creating product descriptions is probably the most important and the most the, the hardest thing that you can do, right? So expecting ChatGPT to solve that problem by itself, it's of course, of course it's not going to happen. And as you mentioned, I can, of course, ask it, you know, create a product description for this pen. It's a small pen, make a good one, and it should be SEO optimized and it should be optimized for sales, right? It's not going to work. What we have to do, and this is, you know, it's in the same way, it talks about using ChatGPT in the same way as in any other part. We have to give it ideas. We have to give it content first. We have to teach it first. What is the content that it's going to prepare? And then we can get great content, right? So we have to do two things in, in, in this example. Number one, we have to tell it what kind of a product descriptions we want, what the structure should be, what our company is, what our tone of voice should be. What are the important parts? Maybe, you know, general uh, description, then uh, usage, then technical descriptions, then uh, practical, I don't know, right? This is the first part we have to teach it. And the other part is that we have to input some kind of information about that product. Maybe, you know, stuff that we get from our wholesaler or stuff that we get from other websites or stuff that we get from other companies. All of this information, we have to put it in and then we can get content back. We can do that on mass, of course. You know, we can use uh, ChatGPT with Google Sheets, add all of that in there, and then um, and then massively create the content that, uh, that that's going to come, the, the, the product descriptions, right? So, you know, if we already have like um, the product description that we got from our wholesaler, but that's in a different language. And it's not really um, set up in the way that it should be done for our web page. We just take that from our database, put it in an Excel sheet, send it to ChatGPT, give it all that information, get it back. But of course, it's not miraculously, miraculously going to create content from nothing. We have to feed it stuff. And that's the same as everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Peter, I have two questions left and uh, 
my common question that I always ask uh, SEO experts about your experience. You know, as I mentioned, that I usually cooperate with uh, yeah many different uh, clients, but I found uh, yeah we get high ranking positions and results with clients who understand SEO. So if they don't, yeah, take our course, learn on YouTube, Google, uh, and uh, I'm interested about your experience. If you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, but you need to get the basic, uh, considering that we have AI, SEO uh, is more about UX. So what will you do today to learn more about SEO? That's a very good question. Um, I think that, you know, um, the SEO hubs that exist out there have all of the information that you need. Uh, that means the uh, Moz content that is out there, the SEMrush content that is out there. All of that is going to give you the 80% of everything that you need to have for SEO. And with that, if you're not in the most competitive niche if you're not competing competing with the biggest uh with the biggest websites you're going to do most of it because generally i believe that seo is not really a complicated thing the problem with seo is that people don't really implement it right doing on-site uh, on-site seo is generally seven things that you have to do title description images content la la but the problem is that people don't go through their first hundred most important pages and do that Right, And it's the same for backlinks. Of course, there are fancy backlink strategies that we talk about on conferences and stuff like that. But in general, a lot of uh, backlink acquisition can be done just as normal marketing. Right, I've been on a fair. I call them. I want to get a link from the fair website. Right, So all of those things, technical SEO can be complicated. Of course, if you have a website with a couple of million URLs, but most of the websites don't really have so many problems. So in general, just get the basic but do your stuff every day. I tell my clients, you should do SEO, you know, every Tuesday and every Thursday, two hours in the morning. If you do that in six months, you're going to have great results. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And uh, Peter, my final question about future. You know, can you forecast what kind of future will be in SEO field? Because I asked this question before launching ChatGPT. Today we have this tool and yeah, we have a lot of discussions that uh, ChatGPT or BART or any other system will replace SEO. So your predictions about the future. I'm just playing around with uh, AutoGPT, uh, an upgrade to the ChatGPT that is able to you know uh, get out there and find web, uh, find content on the websites. Or if I go to bing.com and use the chat GPT there, I can also see that, you know, it goes out and looks for websites. I think it's going to be the same. I think that all of these tools are still going to need a place where they can get authoritative content. They're still going to need, you know, a place where they get up-to-date content and content that um, really has some uh, additional value behind that right so the and the chat gpt 5.0 or even chat gpt 4.0 with plugins is able to go and fetch a website and give you the content from there so i think that you know it's going to change a bit it's gonna um it's gonna be a bit different but there are still going to be needed sources where that content comes from 
And a lot of those sources can't be provided by Wikipedia and news media, right? A lot of these sources have to be provided by, may that be uh, the producer of a product, may that be uh, the seller of the product, may that be, you know, just a random person who has a hobby where he likes to talk about, you know, um, knives. So that content has to be prepared. The learning model, the large language models are probably going to get that content and rehash it and give it out in a different way. And of course, they're going to have to start giving out sources in the same way as Google is giving out sources. So I think that's the future. It's um, it's the same. It's sort of PR just on. It's going to be a PR just on a bit different uh, on the bit different U, uh, user interface, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Peter, it's a big pleasure to get on my show again. You know, you are so kind to share all these valuable insights. You know, love it. I love to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. This one, seos.si has an English part of the website. There's a newsletter that I regularly send out and you can just search for me at uh, on LinkedIn uh, and uh, find me there and you can talk to me there. I'll be glad to see. I just like to talk about marketing and SEO with anyone. So, and thank, a big thank you to having me on the podcast. It's great talking to you every time. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Guys, you can find the links to the LinkedIn account, to the website in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time.